All right, hello, Christ community. Greetings to our West Campus that meets at Northridge High School and our Traditions venue, as well as all of those at 15th Street. So glad all of you are here. Um, before we jump into the message, I wanted to take a moment and mention an upcoming experience that I am hosting for men. Uh, last April, I invited men to come to an event one weekend where I shared some things that God has, I felt like God had been laying on my heart for us as men. And we had an amazing response. We had 200 men uh, come out, which told me that God is stirring something in the hearts of our men and, and that we want to continue to stoke that fire. Now, we realize that a, a one-off event like that is not ideal. Our goal, ultimately, is to get guys connected in smaller groups of men where spiritual truths can be processed together and guys can pray for each other. So we are creating an experience for that very purpose. It is a six-week e-group experience for men on Tuesday mornings from 6 a.m. to 7.30, 7.15, 7.30-ish, starting October 10th at Zoe's. And each week, I'm going to be doing a 20-minute teaching related to this message that God has been placing in my heart about living with a whole heart. And then guys will process that in small groups and pray for each other. And these groups are going to remain the same for all six weeks, so deeper relationships will form. And we're hoping and praying that a number of e-groups, men's e-groups, will be formed out of this experience. So if now if you're already in a men's e-group, you are welcome to come to this as a group for that season. Also, if you are in a couple's e-group, this could be something that the guys, the men in that group want to participate in for six weeks, which would be really cool. There's more information about this in the newsletter. You do need to register for this online. You can connect with Shane Fanning, our director of e-groups, if you have any specific questions about this, or you can talk to me or whatever. I'm really anticipating that God is going to do some wonderful things in those six weeks together, starting October 10th. Okay, so today is our more weekend experience. So what is this more weekend all about? That, well, it's, it's all about this foundational truth that, that we see in the Bible, we see all over the place in the Bible, and it's, what, it's, a, it's a truth that we as a church want to fully embrace. Here, here's the truth that, that it's in the Bible. Experiencing the Holy Spirit is normal Christianity. Experiencing the Holy Spirit in a real way is normal Christianity. It is really hard to read the New Testament without coming to the conclusion that the Holy Spirit is an essential part of a vibrant, dynamic, powerful, spiritual life. And yet often, we as believers in Jesus, we, we kind of keep a polite distance from the Holy Spirit for all sorts of reasons, and we end up missing out on so much of what God has for us. And so we don't want that to happen. We don't want that to happen. And so we have set aside this weekend to focus on this question. How can we experience more of God's spirit in our lives? Now, in order to answer that question, I want us to begin by, by focusing on a particular verse in the Bible that has been crucial in my own journey in this area. It's found in the, in the book of Luke, Chapter 11, we've been walking through the book of Luke for the past several months, and today we find ourselves in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, which is at the end of this teaching on prayer that we've been focusing on the last three weeks, in Jesus' teaching on prayer. Jesus says this, verse 13, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more 
will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Now, now two things are immediately clear in this passage. First of all, God the Father wants us to experience the Holy Spirit in greater ways. And secondly, that experience hinges upon something that we are to do. And that something is ask. How much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Could it be that the level of our experience with the Holy Spirit hinges upon this one critical action, our willingness to ask? Now, the answer is yes, but we're going we're gonna to unpack that a bit further because there are actually three different asks in Scripture, each one representing a different aspect of experiencing the Spirit. And we need to be participating in each one of these asks in order to experience more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Well, we see the first ask. The first ask is in the book of Acts, chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the church in a very dramatic, very obvious way. This is after Jesus' death and resurrection. Um, and, and so we see the Spirit's poured out in a very dramatic way. And Peter, the apostle Peter, gets up and he, he, to, to explain to the crowd what has just happened, right? And, and, and he, just, he describes to them how this is a direct fulfillment of a promise that God gave in the Old Testament, centuries earlier, to the prophet Joel. In the Old Testament, we need to know that in the Old Testament, believers in God didn't have the Holy Spirit living in them. No, the, the Holy Spirit was really given to certain people at certain times for certain tasks, but it wasn't a permanent indwelling. But the prophet Joel, in the Old Testament, the prophet Joel spoke of a day in the future when every believer, young and old, men and women, every believer would have the Holy Spirit of God actually living in them and speaking to them and through them. So in Acts chapter two, Peter gets up, he gets up and he quotes from the book of Joel in the Old Testament. And he says, hey folks, this has now happened. What Joel is describing has now happened. The Holy Spirit has been given to every believer in Jesus. So all the people who were hearing Peter say this, they're observing this, they have this question, what must I do to be saved? In other words, how can we get in on this? How can we experience this amazing thing, the forgiveness of sins that you're talking about? And how can we have the Holy Spirit of God actually living in us? So they ask this question and look at Peter's response, his answer. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. See, P Peter is describing the, the, the critically important ask if we want to experience the Spirit living in us, if we want this amazing gift and the promise of the Holy Spirit, we need to ask to be saved. When we place our trust in Jesus, the Spirit of God comes to live in us forever. The gift of the Spirit is ours the moment we trust Christ. Now, my, my I have an object lesson for each of my points tonight. So my object lesson for this 
is right here. I'm holding in my hands a copy of my birth certificate, okay? This is the actual, uh, the, the actual birth certificate here, the copy of the actual birth certificate that I'm holding in my hand. There was a mo- this, this certificate acknowledges that there was a moment in time when I was born, right? There, there was a moment in time when the breath of life came to me, right? The breath of life entered into me. It was a specific moment in time. And this birth certificate represents that. And the same thing is true spiritually. Receiving the spirit, receiving the breath of God into our lives happens the moment we place our trust in Jesus and are born again. That's the term Jesus used. We're born again. So there's no sense talking about experiencing more of the Holy Spirit if you haven't taken this first step of receiving the Spirit into your life by placing your trust in Jesus. And so I want to stop right now. There's more to talk about here, but I want to stop right here, and I want to give an opportunity for anyone here to say yes to Jesus and to receive his Spirit living in you permanently. Okay? So we're going to stop here. Just bow your head for a moment. And if that is you, if you're thinking, oh, I'm not sure that I've ever placed my trust in Jesus, that I've received the Holy Spirit and salvation. If you're not sure of that, let's take care of it right now. So just pray along with me in the silence of your heart, okay? Dear God, I acknowledge that you are holy and I'm not. I'm a sinner. And I know my sin separates me from you. But I don't want to be separated from you. I want a relationship with you. Now, even though there is nothing I can do to get to you, to earn my way to you, there's nothing I can do. You came to me by sending your son, Jesus, to earth. And Jesus, you lived a perfect life. And then you died on the cross in my place. You took the penalty I deserved to pay. You paid for my sin. Thank you. And I choose right now to place my trust in you. I bring you my faults and my fears and my failures and my doubts and my questions. I just bring it all to you, just all that I am. And in exchange, I receive your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, come live in me forever, changing me from the inside out. So God, I just pray for anyone who prayed that prayer. Thank you, Lord. Help them grow in this amazing relationship with you. Thank you that the spirit, your spirit now lives in them permanently. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's the first ask. It's really important. It's foundational, but there is more. There are two more asks that we as believers in Jesus need to engage in if we want to experience more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, both of these are reflected in a particular word used in the Bible, in the New Testament, to describe our ongoing experience with the Spirit. And that is the word fill, being filled with the Spirit. But there is a lot of confusion. There's a great deal of confusion about what it means, what this experience actually looks like. And here's why there is confusion. In the original Greek language, which is what the New Testament was written in, in the original Greek language, um, there are actually two different Greek words 
that are used to describe being filled with the Holy Spirit. Each one means something completely different. But in, the problem is both of them, in our English translations, both of them are translated fill. And so when we're reading them, so what, what happens is we define fill, being filled with the Spirit in a particular way, and we ignore the other aspect of being filled with the Spirit because both of them are translated with the same word, but they're not the same word. Um, and, and, and we ignore the other way of being filled with the Spirit. But we're not going to do that in this church. We're not going to do that. We're going to look at both of these words that are used to describe fill so that we can experience both of these things, so that we can experience more of the Holy Spirit. And, and again, each one hinges upon a particular ask that we make, okay? Particular ask. So let's look at the first of these two words used for being filled with the Spirit. The classic passage in this is in the book of Ephesians, which is a letter Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. The book of Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. Look at what Paul says here. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now the word that Paul uses here for fill is the Greek word plerao. I'm going to throw out a couple of Greek words because it's really important. I'm not trying to impress you because I don't know that much about Greek. Okay, I'm not trying to do that, but I'm just trying to explain this. So Paul uses this Greek word plerao. And, it, and what plerao describes a particular kind of filling. It's what we might call an inward filling. Now, Paul uses a fairly vivid illustration to describe this particular filling. He talks about being drunk. He talks about being drunk. See, when a person is drunk, they have imbibed a certain amount of alcohol, and that alcohol fills their system from within. It enters their bloodstream, and it begins to impact their ability to think and to speak and to act. See, the alcohol fills their body by permeating it from within. Paul says that's what this play rao filling of the Spirit is like, but it has a much more positive impact, okay? To be filled with the Spirit in this way is to allow the presence of the Spirit to permeate our lives so that the spirit impacts every part of our being. See, this is exactly how Luke uses the word, same word in the book of Acts. For instance, in Acts chapter six, the church is seeking some spiritually mature people for a particular task. And look at what we read there. Verse three, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full same word there, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. See, same word here. He's talking about a person who is filled with the Spirit from within. The Spirit is permeating every part of them as evidenced by how they live their lives. Okay, I promised you an object lesson for every one of these. So here's the tangible picture of this kind of filling. A sponge. Okay, now think about how a sponge Works. A dry sponge is really not helpful at all, right? It's not really helpful for anything. But when placed in water, if I were to place this sponge in water, what happens? It gets filled from within. The water permeates all the air pockets that are in this sponge. And the sponge becomes fully saturated with water from within. And that's what makes the sponge useful to us when it's filled with water from within. That's exactly what Paul is describing here. An experience of the Spirit where his, his presence permeates us from within. It fills every part of us from within. Now, the language that Paul uses here, it's, it's, it's describing a continuous experience. This is not a one-time thing. 
every moment of every day, we have an opportunity to either be filled with us or to be filled with the Spirit. And the difference between those two things is huge. It's the difference between expressing anger or gentleness when someone cuts us off in traffic or whatever, right? It's the difference between demonstrating self-centeredness or love at a particular, in a situation. It's the difference when you're experiencing joy or discouragement, obedience or disobedience, peace or anxiety. See, that's the difference that being filled with the Spirit can, can make in our lives at any moment in time throughout our day. That's the difference. So how do we experience this plerao, this sponge-like filling of the Spirit that Paul is describing in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18? We, we got to ask for it. We can ask for it. But it involves a particular kind of ask, a particular heart posture, and that is the heart posture of surrender. See, notice this verse says, be filled. It doesn't say, fill yourself, go fill yourself with the Spirit. It doesn't say that. Be filled. See, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us by being willing to let him into every area of our lives. Now, this raises, if you're following him here, this probably raises a question for many of us here. How is this different than what we talked about a moment ago. I mean, if the Spirit comes to live in us when we place our trust in Christ, doesn't He automatically fill us? No. No. And let me, let me offer an analogy that I hope is helpful. Imagine that your life is a house and that every room in that house represents a part of your life. So there's a room for your career. And there's a, a different room for your leisure time. And there's a different room for your relationships. And there's a room for your money and all these different things. See, when we receive Jesus, imagine you have a, you're a house, right? When we receive Jesus, he comes to live in our house. He has his own bedroom, okay? He, he, he's a guest in our home. He comes to live in our house. And he has his own bedroom. And he's eager to make his loving presence known throughout the whole house. However, he's a perfect gentleman. He's a perfect gentleman, so he's not going to go forcing his way into other rooms. He's in his guest room, but he's not going to force his way into other rooms in our lives. So, what if we keep some of our rooms locked? What if we keep some of the doors locked to his presence? Because like, we, we don't really want him in this area, right? We, we, we want to be in charge. So yeah, we have the spirit in us, but, but we, the spirit, we don't, we don't really want you in that area of my career or the choice of who I'm going to date, you know, or maybe our, our sexuality or our use of money or our thought life or whatever. You know, those, those rooms, we're okay with the spirit in certain rooms, but we don't really want him being around those other areas in our lives. So what happens is that in that scenario and we're all there, right, at, at different times in our lives. What happens in that scenario is that we have the Holy Spirit living in us, absolutely. And he's not leaving. He lives in us. But he's not filling us. See, we're not allowing him to fill every area of our lives. And the impact of that is huge. The impact of that is huge. 
Because these locked rooms that we have and these locked closets that we have, those, the, the, those places that, that we, you know, those end up taking on, they, 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 they take on things, they end up impacting our lives in ways that, that, that create a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. It's not good for us to keep those locked, but we still do it because we want to be in charge, right? But they result in a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. So here, here, here's what we've got to understand about this kind of filling. We hold the key. You hold the key. And I hold the key as to whether or not I'm going to be filled with the Spirit. We determine the level to which our lives are permeated by the Holy Spirit. So the other, just an example, the other day, I found myself filled with anger. It was a Saturday night, and I was just, I was just angry. It just sort of came upon me. Um, actually, I think it had something to do with the K-State football game that I had just watched, and they, they looked horrible. Um, and and, and so, so I just kind of found myself, it's a Saturday night, uh, you know, I just found myself just sitting in this anger. And I knew it was spewing forth into my relationship with Raylene just all over the house, right? But initially, I didn't care, honestly. I didn't care. I just wanted to be angry. Now, you can imagine how well that went over, right? Um, so finally, after a few hours, I had to enjoy this, right? Or whatever you do with anger. But I, had, I wanted this, right? And so after a few hours of this misery, I finally got alone with God. And I, I just prayed, Holy Spirit, fill me. With, with your love and with your life and with your, your presence. I invite you into this place of anger right now. I just invite you into this place of self-centeredness and anger because I, I want you more than anything else. <sighs> Fill me. I want you more than anything else. And he, and he did. He filled my heart with his presence in that moment. And he gave me this new perspective. But again, I had the key. He wasn't going to force his way into this area of my life. He wasn't. He was just going to let me keep doing what I was doing and destroying everything all around me, right? He was just, just going to let that happen. I had to surrender my will to his and to ask him to fill this area. Okay, so I want us to stop just like we did with point number one. I want us to stop here. We got more to the message. There's one more pointer, but we're going to stop here, and I want us to respond. Um, I, I don't want us to move past this, because this is really, really important to go here with the Spirit. And so I invite you just to close your eyes, and let me mention here, if, you are, you're, if you're on a spiritual journey where you have not yet said yes to Jesus, that is totally okay. We're glad you're here. You are so welcome here. We're glad you're here. So I don't want you to feel any pressure to do this exercise. But if you're here and you have placed your trust in Jesus, this is really important for each of us if we want all that God has for us. It's really important. Okay, so for those of you who are participating, just quiet your heart, close your eyes. And here's the question I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. Just in the quiet of your heart, Holy Spirit, are there any locked doors in my life? Are there any rooms or closets that I am choosing to keep from you? Again, maybe it's a dating relationship, maybe it's a particular activity, maybe it's some part of your life, whatever. Is there any part of my life, Holy Spirit, that I'm keeping locked? I'm keep, I just don't want you in.
So now if the Holy Spirit brings an area to mind, I want to encourage you and invite you to ask him to fill that room. To say, Holy Spirit, just come fill this area of my life where I know I've not been letting you in. And be as specific as possible about the area. Holy Spirit, thank you for being so loving and gracious. And we admit we all keep areas locked from you. And, and, and we just, in this moment, we're inviting you into these places. And we know, Lord, we're, we're probably going to take the key back, you know, some other time in the future. And we just want to keep recognizing when that happens and keep saying, this room is open to you. Because ultimately, we want your will more than ours. We want your presence in these areas influencing us. Because we know that good things, good things are the result of letting you fill these places. And man, when we do our own thing, eh, things go south in a hurry. So we acknowledge that. So thank you. We're like sponges right now, God, and we just thank you. We want your presence to fill every part of us from within, just permeate from within. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's something you and I can do and we probably ought to be doing multiple times even during a day. Right? When we're feeling, oops, what's going on here? Holy Spirit, would you fill me right now? Getting angry at this person, just fill this. So we can do this 24-7. Inward filling. Play rao, filling. Now there's one more ask that I want to talk about. And this is an ask that is usually ignored in evangelical churches like ours. I'm just going to say it. It's usually ignored. We're okay talking about the filling of the Spirit, the way Paul talks about it in Ephesians 5, this inward filling in our lives, but often we ignore, we completely ignore another word, a, a different word used in the New Testament to talk about being filled. So, for instance, we see this in Acts chapter 4. Luke describes how the believers in Jesus are gathered together. This is after Acts chapter 2, and the Holy Spirit's poured out. So these believers are gathered together sometime after that, and they're earnestly praying together for God to do amazing things. They're just asking God to stretch out his hand and to heal and, and do amazing things, right, <clears throat> for the glory of Jesus. It's, a, it's an amazing and bold ask. So after they prayed this God-sized prayer, look, look at what happens. Verse 31, after they prayed... The place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now, the word that Luke uses here for fill is not plerao. It's not. You can look it up. It's instead, it's a different word. It's the word pimpleme, and the word pimpleme does not refer to an inward filling, but rather an external one where the Spirit comes upon someone at a particular moment in time for a specific empowering. Now, in this passage, we just read, the Spirit comes upon this entire group of people, right, in this prayer meeting. It would have been pretty amazing to be there because the room is shaking, and they begin, the Spirit comes upon them, fills them, this pimplamy filling, and they begin to speak the Word of God with boldness. It's like this instant empowering 
So, so if the pleirao filling is represented by a sponge, which we talked about, this particular filling, here's the object lesson for this one, this particular filling is a bucket, okay? It's like a, it's like a bucket. Do you remember the ALS challenge a few years ago, right? Where unsuspecting or suspecting people, they would have this cold water dumped on them. Someone had this bucket and they would just dump that on them. That is a picture That is a a very accurate picture of how this kind of filling of the Spirit works. It's where the Spirit comes upon people at a particular moment in time, often in a fairly dramatic way. They notice it, right? Just like cold water being poured. You kind of notice that. the, The Spirit is poured out upon a person in a particular dramatic way, empowering them or touching them in that moment. It is not a permanent indwelling. It's not. Clearly, it is not a permanent indwelling. We, we've already, we already have that. We talked about that. And it is not an inward filling of the Spirit with the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. It's not that. No. It's a different word. It is a moment in time when the Spirit of God shows up in a way that His presence is tangibly experienced by us in that moment. Now, I realize some of you are like, I'm getting out of here. I don't know where he's going with this, but I'm getting out of here. No, no, don't, don't, please. But I, I realize this gets a little bit out of our comfort zone. I totally get it. This kind of, what we're talking about, it's a little bit out of our comfort zone. And I totally get that. And, and that's why a lot of Christians and a lot of churches don't ever talk about this. A lot of churches, they, they just, they, they automatically just kind of reject this possibility. Don't even, don't even address it. But, but here's the problem with instantly or instinctively rejecting this kind of thing. Here, there are three problems with it, actually. First problem is it's biblical. It is a biblical concept. The word pimpleme is used often to describe the Spirit coming upon people in this way. So we see Paul experiencing this in Acts chapter 13. We see Zechariah experiencing this in, in, in Luke chapter 1. We see the believers in Jesus experiencing this in Acts chapter 2 and then in Acts chapter 4. Biblically speaking, there are moments in time when the Spirit of God shows up in a tangible way for a particular purpose, like an instantaneous way for a particular purpose in that moment. But not only is it a biblical concept, it is. It's also something that has happened throughout history. It's a historically verifiable um, reality, especially in times of revival. So for instance, during the first great awakening, you may have read about this in your history. I don't know if they teach this anymore, but during the first great awakening and the second great awakening in our country, there, there, there are eyewitness accounts, many eyewitness accounts of the spirit coming upon people, even in our denominational history. And this is kind of humorous because our denomination, the evangelical free is not very open to this, typically, okay? Not very open to this kind of thing. So I was digging through some of the history books, and I'm finding these passages in these history books about our, about our denomination where they're describing meetings where the Holy Spirit does this. The Holy Spirit did this. He showed up, and people started shaking, or they started weeping, or they started falling over under the power of the Spirit. They were overwhelmed by the power of His love or His holiness. Now, again... I realize this may make us really uncomfortable, but but we cannot say it is not biblical, and we cannot say it has never happened before. The other problem with trying to argue that the Spirit doesn't do this sort of thing is the fact that many of us have had personal experiences of this. 
I remember someone, it stuck in my head, someone wisely said, a person with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. Think about that. A person with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. See, people can try to tell me, oh, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that anymore. I've experienced it personally. I know it's real. Um, I remember years ago during a season early on in my ministry here at Christ Community, or, uh, uh, just the season in my life where I was just hungering for more of God's spirit. And, and, and so I attended this conference in California. And during, during one worship service, um, a woman went up front. Of, we were gathered. She kind of came on stage. And she was, she was I, I get the word is prophesying, right? That that's a, can be sort of a weird word. But all it means is that she was just speaking what she felt like God was spontaneously bringing to her mind at that moment. So she came up with this word for the people. Now, I was initially really skeptical because of how she was speaking these words. I'd never seen anything like this. She was kind of jogging in place. It was really weird, okay? She was jogging in place, and her arms were kind of going here. Now, I just thought, this is so weird, you know? And I was just kind of turned off. Maybe I'm going to go for a break or something. I was kind of turned off by it, very skeptical. Right in the middle of her doing her thing, right in the middle of it, the Spirit came upon me. I don't know how else to describe it. I felt like it was electricity going through my body, literally electricity going through my body. And I immediately fell to the floor. I immediately fell to the floor under the power of the Lord's presence. I was trembling. I was weeping. I was overcome by God's presence. I probably stayed on the floor about 20 minutes. Now, please hear me. Please please hear me. I wasn't trying to experience God in a particular way. I wasn't being manipulated into some emotional moment. I mean, I was skeptical at that time. The the spirit literally surprised me. He's like an ALS bucket kind of thing, right? The spirit literally surprised me. He came upon me in that moment like a bucket of water. Now, there are other times when I will sense the tan, I will tangibly experience the presence of the Spirit in a much more gentle way. Um, sometimes I feel a tingling kind of on my face when I'm in a worship service and I just sense that the Lord's presence is, is really heavy in the room. I have this sensation in my, that I've begun to, I've, I've learned to recognize what's happening. Or sometimes just a deep sense of peace or joy will just wash over me. Sometimes tears come to my eyes, right, during a worship song or something. Um, I often have people will come up to me and they will say, I I don't know why, but I I always seem to cry in your worship services. I don't know what's wrong with me and all that, you know, and and I just tell them, nothing's wrong with you. That is the tangible presence of God, the spirit of God coming upon you in a very tender, in a very real way, in a very tangible way. Now, now, let me just say that when these kinds of things happen, we may not know exactly why or what God's purpose is in that. And that's okay. I cannot say exactly why the Lord came upon me um, he, like he did in California. I don't know for sure. I do know that a few months later, within just a few months of that experience, I went through the most difficult season in my entire life, without a doubt. And so maybe the Lord was kind of preparing me for that. Maybe the Lord was just wanting to remind me in a really tangible way that he was with me, no matter what. He was with me. 
We don't have to know the why when God shows up. We don't. He's God, and he can do what he wants, right? He can do what he wants. Now, let me be clear about something here, really, really clear. I am not talking about us uh, seeking specific manifestations, because that's, that's never a good idea. Because then people often start trying to make something happen, you know? Uh, they want their hands to shake or something. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about making this some measurement of spirituality as if, you know, you're closer to God because some, something's happening to you right now. You know, I don't believe that. I don't think scripture teaches that. Book of First Corinthians talks a lot about that. You know, it's not, manifestations are not a mark of, these kinds of things are not a mark of, of um, spiritual maturity. And I'm also, please hear me here, pastoring this flock. I am not, I'm not talking about trying to create worship services where weird things happen, okay? I'm not trying to create that, you know, where we're just, we're just wanting services so weird things start happening. Is it, because again, we'll just try to, people just try to manufacture that stuff. As if the measurement of whether a service is good is how many people were doing whatever. I mean, we're not going there, okay? We're not going there as a church. I'm not talking about that, trying to create these things. All I'm talking about is us being open to the possibility of the Spirit of God coming upon us in a tangible way, where we experience Him in our physical bodies. We actually experience His presence in our physical bodies. So if we're open to this, what is the specific ask that we are to make? Typically, this kind of experience happens in response to a particular heart posture. The previous filling we talked about, the heart posture was surrender, right? Surrender, being filled from within. This particular filling involves a heart posture of hunger, hunger, a spiritual hunger, a yearning in our, and an asking for more of God, sort of a holy desperation. We looked a moment ago in Acts chapter 4, um, where, where the Spirit filled those believers, right, in this coming upon sort of way. Remember what they were doing at the time that happened? They, they weren't, you know, playing cards or whatever. <laughs> Remember what they were doing? They were praying. They were earnestly praying for God to stretch out his hand and to, and to pour out healing and miraculous signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. They wanted more of him and they were asking for more of him. See, often the spirit waits to be wanted by us. He, he waits to be wanted by us. And our asking reflects that want, that desire. He, he waits to, to be wanted by us more than anything else. And in that hunger, he wants us to ask for more, right? It's, it's just this hunger just to ask for more. Now, again, this isn't a formula, and we just can't go there. I mean, this, God is God, and he does what he wants. But there, there's something about this hunger when we ask, and we keep asking. We're just asking for him. There's something about that that draws the Holy Spirit into that environment in, in some way. 
One of my favorite stories with, in regard to this occurred in the life of D.L. Moody. Um, D.L. Moody was an, a, a kind of a, a evangelist, I guess we'd say, even though that word is negatively viewed nowadays. But in the late 1800s, D.L. Moody was involved in ministering in Chicago and lots of areas, really to large crowds of people, sharing the gospel, presenting the claims of Christ. And, and from the outside, anyone would say he was very effective at what he did. His ministry was very fruitful. So one day, he had this speaking engagement, and um, after this speaking, speaking engagement, Moody came out of the building, and he was walking towards his carriage, and an old man kind of got in his way. He'd never seen the guy before. Old man got in his way, and he pointed a finger, kind of a bony finger, right in, in Moody's face, and he said, honor the Holy Spirit. That's all he said. Honor the Holy Spirit. And then he just walked away. So Moody got into his carriage, but he could not shake that. He could not get that image out of his mind of this man saying that to him. And he began to think about that. And it kind of just, it was unsettling. I mean, even though he, he, those words just kept playing in Moody's mind for weeks afterwards, even though he was active in ministry, he started to wonder, maybe I'm missing something that God might have for, for me. So this thirst was awakened in Moody. This holy desperation. Here's, here's how he describes it, his own words. How he describes what happened. And there came a great hunger into my soul. I knew not what it was. I began to cry as never before. The hunger increased. I really felt that I did not want to live any longer if I could not have this power for service. I kept on crying all the time that God would fill me with his Holy Spirit. Well, one day in the city of New York, oh, what a day. I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it. It is almost too sacred an experience to name. I can only say that God revealed himself to me, and I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. In other words, I had to ask him to stop. I went to preaching again after this experience. I went to preaching again. The sermons were not different. I did not present any new truths, and yet hundreds were converted. I would not now be placed back where I was before that blessed experience if you should give me all the world. How hungry are you and I for more of the Spirit, for more of His love, for more of His power in our lives? And are we willing to ask Him for more. And then to wait in his presence, just being attentive and open to all that he might want to do in us. It's not about a formula. It's not about trying for something in particular. It's just about wait, asking and waiting and being open. So, so we want to enter into a time where in the midst of some worship singing, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. And we're just going to allow ourselves to be open to his loving presence. And we're just going to, I just encourage you just to be attentive to him. Don't, please, don't try to force something. Don't try to manufacture anything. Just be open to the spirit. We may experience some sensation in our body. We may experience something stirring in our heart. Tears may come to our eyes or whatever. Or we may not experience anything, which is totally cool. Either way, really, it is totally cool. Let's just enjoy his presence and open our lives more fully to him, all right? Okay, so why don't we stand? Worship team's gonna come out.
Why don't we stand? If at some point you want to sit on this, totally cool. And you can move around the room. If you want to kneel somewhere or just kind of move off by yourself somewhere, that's totally cool. But we're, we're just going to give room to experience this pimple me, this, this particular filling of the Spirit. And so, so God, thank you for what you're teaching us from your word. And we, we long for you. Thank you that you live in our lives. Thank you that you fill us from within as we surrender to you. Come, Lord. And we also thank you that you come upon us. You come upon us, Lord. And so we welcome you. We welcome you. And so, Holy Spirit, come. Come as we worship. We just invite you to come in this bucket sort of way. We're just open to you in whatever you want to do in us. So we welcome you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come.